subscribe and rate it. Five stars. Good morning, Bobo. How are you doing today? Awesome. Awesome. It's usually okay. What, what, what makes today awesome? Is it just a good mood or is there something going on or what's going on? We had a raging storm. Oh, I know you do love storms. And of course, you're right now. You're, you're, are, are you in Humboldt right now or are you down in LA? Yeah, no, I'm still in Humboldt. Oh, very good. Very good. I'm glad you're up there because the storms are a little bit more intense up there. Um, you're right on the beach, of course, so you get to see all this, all the weather come in and the waves and whatnot. Is, is, is it snowing by any chance? It might have before sunrise, but there was so much hail, I, I couldn't tell. <laughs> okay, very good. Very good. Yeah, we got, we got about three or four inches on the ground right now where I am. Luckily, I don't have to go into work today because I hate driving in snow, man. It's one thing sitting inside the house looking at it. it you know, it's beautiful, but driving in that stuff just makes you want to pull my eyes out, man. Dude, I'm not into it at all. When I had those spike snow tires, studded snow tires, it was an all-wheel drive, I mean, four-wheel drive on full-time. It, was, it wasn't it was so bad. Yeah, well, it's pretty rare that it snows down where you are, right? Oh, yeah, like every five, ten years. Okay, yeah, we usually get it three or four times a year or something. But um, Cool. Hey, I got, got something kind of interesting happening I want to share with you. Uh, in a couple weeks, not sure I'm supposed to talk about it, but sometimes I don't care. I, I think it's going to be okay. Um, North American Bigfoot Center, the Bigfoot Museum that uh, I, I'm lucky enough to work at and own, um, has been invited by the Portland Trailblazers to come participate in a Bigfoot night um, at the Moda Center. So we're getting a booth, like a 10 by 10 booth, and we're getting some free tickets and uh, um, making some display stuff to come do a little miniature uh, um, Bigfoot display at the Moda Center for a Trailblazer game. And I believe, I believe, um, kind of, this is kind of a scary thing for me because I got to piece it all together, but I believe they asked me to put together a 30 to 60 second advertisement commercial thing to show on the Jumbotron to everybody. Yeah, clip on the Jumbotron. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Is your brother coming up? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that would be fun if he could. I don't know. I didn't even ask him. I should ask him, though. He um, he, he probably has a little loose income. He can drop on a plane. That'd be a lot of fun. But yeah, so, I mean, uh, there's a lot of stress right now. And, uh, Wait, what, what's the date for that? Uh, March 14th. March 14th. Oh, that doesn't give me much time. No, yeah, March 14th. I think we're playing the Knicks. Is that a basketball team? Yep. There you go. Yeah, so I think that's who we're playing. Because, you know, I'm Mr. Sport Guy. Yeah. Yeah, nothing I love more than sports. But you don't got to be a sports guy to love the watching the Blazers because you guys got uh, Lillard. Well, you know what? I, I will say that I have been to several Portland Trailblazer games. Basketball is is not a stranger to me. Um, I, I'm I'm not familiar with it. I don't follow sports, but I do enjoy watching games. And basketball is one of those sports that I really enjoy watching. So as well as football, Bobo. And I have to say that uh, I enjoy watching football now because of you. Right on. Yeah, finding Bigfoot. You know, you you would refuse to work on Sundays because it's holy days. And I don't mean, you know, church. I mean football. Um, and you would refuse to work on your holy days. And we would go to the bars or whatever and, and watch games. And I would ask you questions. And you would teach me, like, holy smokes, there's strategy in that game? He just thought those big guys running into each other. Yeah, more or less. But you break it down, it is. <laughs> well, nonetheless, nonetheless. So that's an exciting thing. On uh, March 14th, I'll be at the Moda Center with a, a Bigfoot pop-up museum you know, spreading the true faith basically to uh, the unwashed masses who may or may not realize Sasquatches are real. Dude, I gotta, because I might be coming up that way around that time. I'm gonna try to make that. Well, I don't, how many tickets do they give you? 
I don't know. I haven't found that out yet. She's looking into that. I spoke to her yesterday afternoon. But it's not a good time. I got to give him the, the video by like March 3rd. And today's, uh, for our listeners, today's the 22nd of uh, February that we're recording this. So I got to give him uh, the, the, the video by March 3rd. But on March 20, or February 28th, I have to post a video for our museum members um, that I still have to piece together. So I've got a lot of video production ahead of me in the next week or something like that. And then there's other, I've got a production meeting today for that TV show that I'm working on and then podcast scheduled. Man, I'm, I'm a busy, busy cliff right now. I think I'm coming, well, I'm going up to Portland, Washington area, like Tacoma, Seattle. It looks like it's a long story. I'll leave that part out, but it, it should be right around that time within a week of that, of that time when the game is, but uh, a buddy, a buddy of mine, who's pretty big up in his company. He oversees, they have like 70 buildings, different facilities around, you know, Washington and, and uh, a couple of neighboring States. So he's, he's, we're going down to, for a, display by uh this company they represent fleer and other companies for a commercial security purposes and they have a bunch of like high-end thermal imagers like those camera like the double like where there's a thermal imager next to a camera and they overlay the image yeah so we're going on he's going to get some of those for his and put them on his uh security purposes at the facilities he's going to get a couple of uh, units and then they'll use it for that but then we'll be able to take them out for squatching whenever we want oh that's cool yeah. Well, hey, if you're cruising through, I may ask you to remove that trailer at some point in the next couple months because uh, Melissa's getting her business off the ground and we may need the space for storage in there. So heads up on that. Fair enough. That's going to get it when it's not raining. That's fine. That's fine. I just want to put that bug in your ear to let that bug germinate and see what you can do with it. So there's that. And of course, I say that on the air because I've, I've actually taken emails about your trailer. I don't know if <laughs> Yeah, people seem to be interested in your trailer, if that if that helps you at all. So again, you're missing the boat, man. Bobo's Bigfoot Airbnb, that's some campground. It could be happening. You can make dozens of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, you know what? We, we don't want to keep our guests waiting too much longer because we have a fantastic guest today. Um, I don't, I, I've met Aaron many times. I, I call him a friend. I don't know him real well. We haven't hung out too much. I'd like to hang out with him more. He's one of these, uh, one of these friends that I see at the conferences that I speak at occasionally and, um, ships passing in the night sort of thing. Um, and I know you've met him a handful of times, even way back in the beginning of finding Bigfoot, he was on a press tour with us. Um, but yeah, this guy, I, I mean, I've known Aaron, his name's Aaron Sagers, of course. And, uh, I've known Aaron for years, but it wasn't until I was actually reading his biography on his website, Aaron Sagers.com that I realized, holy crap, this guy's got, this guy's everywhere. I know the name. Yeah, exactly. Most people I think in the paranormal world would because he's a, well, I mean, he's a journalist. He's a, he's an expert in all things nerdy. He's a TV presenter. He hosts his own podcast called Talking Strange, um, a fantastic podcast. And I can say that because I was on it. That's the difference between a decent <laughs> podcast and a fantastic podcast is one that I've been on. Um, of course, I'm kidding, of course. Um, he, he's, uh, he's currently the host of Netflix series 28 Days Haunted. He's regularly on Paranormal Caught on Camera, which is on Discovery Plus and the Travel, Travel Channel. Um, they're going into their sixth season. He's been on a slew of other television shows. He's written for all sorts of different media outlets he's a television personality he's man if i if we were just to talk about aaron's achievements and things that he's done that we would spend the entire hour doing that so screw that let's bring aaron sagers and aaron thank you very much for spending some time with cliff and the bobes hey hey cliff bobo thanks for having me on guys Oh, it is our pleasure. Our pleasure. And I'd really do mean that. If we were just to go through your resume, it would take the entire hour 
and 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 then we'd everything that we would do would be in our members section. But yeah, you you just are everywhere. How long have you been in this game? Well, I guess I would probably tag my the beginning of my journalism career. I don't know, probably like I I did it in college and whatnot, but it really seemed like I was cooking with uh, with gas around two thousand three, two thousand four, and then. By the time I got into maybe even like 2002, by the time I got into like 05, 06, uh, I had kind of established enough capital. I was working as an editor for some magazines and newspapers and whatnot that I was able to start talking about all this strange stuff, you know, whether you, whether we call it paranormal or unexplained or high strangeness or whatever. So that's kind of when I first started talking about it in the mainstream media and thankfully was able to continue to do so. And then the the job kept expanding from there. So do you, do you see yourself mostly as a journalist with like TV gig things on the side and media, other media formats on the side or what, or do you even see yourself as having a main gig? Dude, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I, I don't, well, honestly, I don't, I don't even really know what, journalism is specifically these days. I mean, I think there are still good journalists out there, but the nature of media has changed so drastically in five years and 10 years, much less the, you know, 15 years now that I've been doing this or longer than 15. So I, I, I say, I still say journalists as far as I enjoy researching, I enjoy conducting interviews and getting the story behind the story, but I'm kind of an all-around media creator with TV and, you know, the podcasty stuff over there and being a storyteller over here. But it all comes from that journalistic core. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you are truly a storyteller, whether you're um, telling stories uh, in print or on screen or on radio or whatever the media, you're truly a storyteller chasing those tidbits. Yeah, I try to be. and. I really, I really love hearing from people and hearing from the stories. I mean, I I did get my start as a journalist doing your more traditional stuff, you know, news coverage. I did a little bit of blood and guts kind of stuff early on, and then evolved out of that. I started doing some travel things, and then really settled into the entertainment world, and then uh, from there, kind of moved into the the TV producing and hosting stuff, but. I yeah I love getting stories out of people and I love researching these tidbits and finding out like how deep those roots go and and I guess sort of becoming this expert in bursts about these topics and and it doesn't mean an expert on the level of of uh someone that's done academic study for decades but you know that it's almost like you you wear this hat for a little bit of a time and you dive deep into a topic and you're like, okay, I have absorbed this information to borrow like a quote from the matrix. It's like, I know Kung Fu now. It's like, you just dive in and then you absorb it and then move forward with it. It's, it's exciting in that way to research, talk to people and then tell those stories. I, I absolutely love that. Was your first love um, media and the, the the pop culture side of things, or was it the uh, the strange paranormal sort of thing? What was your like looking back to when you were a little boy or whatever? The what what do you think what the seed was that led you here? I also I often talk to my parents and I'm like, so 
little littler Aaron was he like this or what was it like oh yeah you were into all this stuff and that was it is like as a kid I was reading science fiction and comic books and watching horror movies and also digging in deep to these stories of the unexplained of paranormal watching uh, reruns of in search of with Leonard Nimoy or unsolved mysteries with Robert Stack and and then the Time Life Mysteries of the Unknown series of books. I love those. So, like, it, it kind of all formed at the same time. I had so much love for the weird stuff as much as I did for Star Wars and superhero comic books. It, it just kind of all emerged at that same time. And it continued to, it continues to be a part of me because when the paranormal TV stuff started happening for me, yeah, I'm like, okay, this is cool, but I was still, um, I'm sure you guys can probably attest to this, but reality TV doesn't necessarily pay a whole lot. So I was still doing the gig of a journalist while also the early TV stuff. And then some of those shows and those genres went away for a little bit of a time. And I'm like, all right, cool. Well, then I, I was kind of working in the world of um, uh, sci-fi, of the network, SIFI. And, and creating nerdy TV shows and nerdy videos with them and still working as a journalist. And then it seemed like the paranormal and unexplained stuff kind of came back and it sucked me back in. It's like uh, the Godfather, like, you know, I keep trying to get out. They keep pulling me back in. <laughs> well, you know, it, I, I do often refer to these jobs or whatever as gigs in the same, so, partly because of my musician background or whatever, like you go to a job and you do that job and you go away and you're, maybe you get called back for another job or whatever. But TV and, um, and, and these sort of appearances are very similar in that sort of way. Um, and I'm probably a lot of people I imagine who are listening to us who have nine to five sort of five day a week jobs, um, don't understand that it's a, or may not understand it as well as those who have been in the trenches for a while, I should say. Um, because you know, the TV, the TV gigs don't pay really, really well, they, but they're a job and they keep you going for a moment, but you got to find something else soon um, or you're going to run out of money is the bottom line. Um, so uh, I think that I can at least sympathize with you or under, understand where you're coming from with that. And I wanted to explain that to some of our audience there, just in case they don't understand, because you know, having a regular job is great because you get a paycheck that's predictable. But these are gigs, you know, like uh, I'm doing um, the proof is out there. I think it's History Channel or, or a &E or something. I'm not even, oh, I think it's a &E. You know, that, that's one job and it helps me get through the month. But at the end of the day, there's other things that are going on and, you know, you got to make a living. And I would say, I would add to that, like something that I think having, having moved to the newspaper and magazine world in both and, and witnessing good and bad times. When I, when I first started in newspapers, I, I loved the the vibe of a newsroom. I still kind of have um, a romanticized uh, uh, memory of it. And then I saw, of course, the cratering of that industry and having to adapt and, and figure out how to do the news and how to create media in a changing landscape. But what that taught me was never to entirely put your eggs in one basket. So then when I started doing the TV stuff, I certainly, when you, when you do projects, you hope for the best, but I knew enough by that point to not hold my breath that this is going to be some bonkers, game-changing experience and my life is going to be 
the glamour and glitz of television and you know Hollywood, the showbiz. And I was not seduced by that. And unfortunately, I think some people that enter into the, some of the TV stuff. In fact, I know of someone very recently that they did a couple episodes of a TV show and they quit their day job. And they're like, this is it. This is, I'm a TV guy now. This is all I do. And I'm like, that was probably not the smartest move. Uh, so, so that gig mentality, yes, I think was kind of, I kind of embedded that early on just from working in newspapers and, and watching uh, a changing media landscape. You know, when I'm working at the museum and somebody comes in and they say, oh my God, you're here. I, I knew you owned it, but I didn't, they're shocked that I have a job. So no, of course I have a job. Well, I thought the TV thing was just like, well, no, man. I mean, that's not just not the way it works. Um, you know, the, your bosses don't want to pay you a bunch of money to keep you bathing in champagne the rest of your life or, or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah, if we did, if we did the shows like twenty years or even ten years earlier, we we would have been probably set. But yeah, by the time we got there, they it already dropped way down. Oh, and it's even changed since we went off the air. You know, they're, with streaming and everything, the money just is not there. And I've I've had to talk to a couple people who are pitching shows or whatever, and and I'm saying, well, hey, man, like we were the last generation that, uh, or possibly that that really makes money, or we made some money. We made pretty okay money at the end there, but um, like nowadays, it's not much, man. It's just not much money in the TV thing because everything went streaming. Even just the budget that I imagine for you guys to travel, just, just to travel alone. I look at that and I'm like, there's not a lot of shows that can pull that off these days and get those kinds of budgets. I mean, and those big companies that are gobbling up everything else, it's not like they're adding more money to the pot to make all these projects happen. They're trimming, they're trimming, trimming, trimming. So it's like, hey, this is a great idea. Let's make this show. We're going to bounce you around. You're going to go uh, check out Phenomena here and then here and then here. It's like, oh, well, upon looking at the budget, maybe just a couple spots right in that one location <laughs> instead of traveling all over the place. Right. Somebody asked me, uh, I was I was talking to this person um, who was pitching some show and they were picking my brain about it. And um, they and I said, well, the money's just not there anymore. And this person was shocked, right? And I go, well, and she goes, well where is it? And I say, well, I think the same amount of money is there. But as you mentioned earlier, I think, Aaron, is that uh, there are so – maybe this is pre before we started recording. There are so many outlets and so many TV shows and so many networks and streaming this and podcasts. I think it's the same amount of money, but it's so thinly distributed at this point You know that, that there's not a lot of money in any one location is the deal. Yeah, and – I'm I'm looking at all of this, and it's. I would say that I have a pretty good track record of being able to predict landscape. You know, not uh, not necessarily an infallible track record, but pretty pretty good. Like I can kind of see where things are going. And this is such a strange time because on one hand, it looks like we're basically going back to the old cable uh, model uh, in some ways because it's just like these bundlings of services and channels and whatnot, except they're on streaming. But in other ways. I'm not entirely certain. I don't, and it's and it's trickier gauging the metric of success, right? Because there is such competition for people's eyeballs and 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 ear holes and attention that what counts as a successful thing anymore that that's harder to gauge. And even when something is a success, it might just be canceled because it's like, well, yeah, no, you. This was a this was a good show on the network, but uh, yeah, it's too expensive to make or whatever. So we just have to move on. 
or changing change of the guard, you know. Yeah, and, and I, I keep wondering, like, how many more topics are they gonna delve into? Like, how many more? Are, are, I mean, I guess there's infinite as, as far as creativity goes, but I just don't see the industry as being that creative anymore. I see them regurgitating the same old nonsense, and it and it looks like regurgitation to me, you know. But I, I'm I'm not a TV guy either, though, so I don't know. Well, and I don't even know that I would say I'm I'm a nerd and I'm a I'm a journalist and I lo- I love this I like I I legitimately love the topics that I talk about and I am always fascinated by the business side of it just because I like I like knowing how the sausage is made not just with TV but anything I like getting kind of in there right and figuring stuff out but it's amusing that for something that's supposed to be creative people say yeah, we want the new thing, the next new thing. Except when you try to bring them the next new thing, it's like, well, <laughs> maybe maybe more like that other thing. Yeah, you guys are saying that they're regurgitated, Cliff. I would say they're all regurgitated. I think some make it all the way through the lower bowel system and come out as actual crap. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. It seems to me that the um, the industry is more run by fear than creativity because they don't want to try anything new. They don't want they they don't want any groundbreaking stuff because they're afraid to spend that money on something that may not work. But if they know that they get mediocre numbers on stuff that has worked before, they're going to spend money on that, and we get the same old nonsense and there's nothing to move down the the court, which is unfortunate because in this day and age, um, and Lauren Coleman is the person who uh, I think first started writing about this. So I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, uh, Lauren has has noted for years that at this moment, reality TV is basically the monetary driving force behind cryptid and Sasquatch research, which is a total shame because I don't, I don't believe the shows. Um, because TV does, TV has no obligation whatsoever to be real. The word reality in that reality TV thing is, is just a, they, the people in the biz don't even call it reality TV because they know it's not real. They call it unscripted, which means that they don't have to hire writers because they're in the union and it, and it costs a lot less. Basically reality TV was born from the writer's strike in the nineties or whenever that was, I don't know when they were, I don't know. I'm an old man. My sense of time is uh, elastic, but, um, yeah, reality TV is not reality TV. It is unscripted TV where they don't have to tell Bobo to memorize lines. Can you imagine if they did that, Bobo? What a nightmare that would be. Like if we had to memorize lines. We don't have with the Bobo Monster movie with small town monsters. Oh, yeah. We record it with Seth Breedlove. <laughs> do you know Seth, Seth's stuff there, uh, Aaron? I do. And it's funny because, yeah, I, I'm familiar with him and I'm impressed. I'm, I'm really impressed by his output. And it was only recently, though, that we started chatting virtually and one of the first things i said to him is i'm like how do we not already know each other you know it's it's like you end up knowing everyone in in the community or you know in this this strange little world and then occasionally someone will pop up and i'm like no i know your work i i appreciate your work and yet somehow we haven't known each other we haven't actually started chatting until now so we've only recently kind of connected and started uh speaking but uh, man, yeah, he's he's got a really impressive track record, and he's also someone that I look at, and I'm like, oh, this dude's kind of figured it out, because he's figured out how to create and execute things with his vision and make money doing it and not be beholden to the strict kind of network um, kind of guidance 
You know, he, he's kind of managed to, to figure out the way around that. Yeah, network guidance tends to screw up a lot of projects, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're not. I mean, that's just me as a, as a big footer. Because you know, I was on your podcast. We talked about this. Like, truth is extraordinarily important um, in big footing. Like, if you lie about any, like, well, Bigfoot stuff, then then you're done. But even if you're known to not be telling the truth in your regular life, like, it kind of affects your reputation in Bigfoot. You know, um, truth is always the of tantamount importance. It's it's. Number one, um, and TV oftentimes encourages you to do the opposite, which is unfortunate. So, in your opinion, Aaron, is there an obligation, um, or where is the obligation when you're dealing into real subjects? And I'm not talking about things that are just nonsense and everybody kind of knows it, but like I'm talking about Sasquatches and things that are actually real. Where is the obligation to tell the truth? Is that in the um, the network? Is that in the production team, or is that in the the on screen? talent, uh, for lack of a better term? I mean, wh- where does it lie? I think that's a great question. I don't know that I have a great answer for it because yes, of course, ideally you would like it to be driven from the top down from the network, but, but that's not necessarily the case because what do they want to do? They want to make TV that people watch that advertisers buy into and they have a return on their investment from. So they're thinking profit. And hopefully the producers will want to tell truth and be accurate, but they're also having to listen to the network who's providing the money to make the show. And then you get down to the talent. And depending on the talent, if there's someone that is really green or without a lot of influence, they are not necessarily going to be the person that can speak the entire truth. They're going to also have the guidance from the producers who are paying their bills and the networks who are paying the bills. And if they kind of branch off of that mission too much or or, uh, move off of the talking points, then it's easy enough to replace them and bring in someone who will. Uh, Unless that person acquires enough influence that they can sort of then say like, okay, this is the truth and you can't edit me because I also have enough uh, power or ability that you know you got to deal with what I say. And then there's this other side of things where I recognize that you need to be truthful, but we also have to let the audience know like this is ultimately edited and a is an entertainment product. Uh, that doesn't mean you should just lie and and get away with that line but i do encourage a kind of a media literacy with the viewers that you have to say like yeah you know we we try our best to present the truth and not say something that is untrue but i am not in the editing bay cutting together the final episode you know so What I try to do is, let's say with paranormal caught on camera, I try to not validate and not debunk things that I am seeing. I try to pull from a reference of history and theories and things I have read and that I can speak to. And then when I see stuff that I know is totally bonkers and uh, easily invalidated, I will say, this is my thought, or I'm not going to comment on this because I have nothing to really add to what you're, what, what story you're trying to tell here. 
I will say to the credit of Paranormal Caught on Camera, I haven't seen any disastrous editing on me. So if I say something stupid, it's all me. And I haven't been pushed too much to try to say something that is a blatant, uh, you know, falsehood or whatever. Um, they might say like, well, what, what do you, what do you think about this? And I'll say, I don't think much about that at all. Or I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. And they're like, okay, if you don't want to comment on this one, that's okay. Uh, which I like for these one, one off gigs. That's all you can really ask for. You know, unless unless you are a cast member on a series, that's all you can ask for is a producers who understand that you're not willing to to do that, you know, to uh, falsify stuff, um, as some people on camera are, frankly. Um, I've been lucky enough to work with productions that don't push me in that direction because I know they wouldn't get it anyway. Yeah, but certainly you've seen yourself edited in ways that later on had to piss you off. Well, I, ha- I will say this, that I, I, I'm so distrustful of the media that I don't watch the, pro- the programs I'm in. You know, I watched, I watched Finding Bigfoot to make sure that exact same thing didn't happen. Um, and, and in fact, that was one of the things, one of the deals that we made with the production company and the network um, and the, the rocky days, the early days of Finding Bigfoot, um, was when uh, we were concerned about the final edits and, and, and deceptive editing and th- that sort of stuff. The, the network, um, Animal Planet, fantastic, love them, and, and, and Ping Pong came around too. They're, they were fantastic and great to us. Um, they gave us the edit before it aired just to make sure that everything was cool at, at that point. And that's kind of unheard of. Yeah, I got screwed by that that Sasquatch documentary on Hulu, that three-part series. Sasquatch was with the murders on the pot farms. And they swore, like, oh, yeah, we we got all the integrity and blah, blah, blah. And so they were saying, like, well, uh, have you ever heard any stories about guys getting killed? I said, yeah, I've, I've looked into several of them, and every one of them has been a cover-up for a murder. Or it, it just was – the whole thing was BS. And I and they said, well, what stories did you hear like that? And I, I told them some stories. I said, I don't believe this. And I said, don't don't put this in there that I'm saying this. But I was told this. It turned out to be false, and it was this. And they they put it in there as a, like that was what I was saying. They cut out the parts where I said it was false. I remember Bobo. I so I I saw that early. I got like um, some media previews of it, and I, and I actually I enjoyed the overall show. And when I saw you in it, I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And then I had I saw after it after it um, aired that uh, you were unhappy with it, and it bummed me out. It bummed me out because I I thought I had a good hold on the people that were doing it, and and it's and I've been there, man. Where it's like it's like you say this one thing couched within a longer factual statement of like, yeah, yeah, you know, I've heard about this XYZ thing, but now nah, I don't believe that. But they take out the I've heard of XYZ thing, you know? Yeah, I guess that's a good uh, lesson for people who are on camera is uh, say things in short, short sentences that they can't edit very effectively. Yeah, I I try to work <laughs> in I try to work in so many allegedly's and supposedly or according to theory or in the middle of a sentence <laughs> to make it harder to edit. <laughs> I, I used to do that too. Yeah. So, um, uh, Paranormal Caught on Camera, that, that's an everything sort of show. I don't want to get to 28 Days Haunted in a minute, but Paranormal Caught on Camera, there's there's no topic that I think is probably off limits to that. It's, so it's one of those clip shows um, where they show a clip and then they have some nerd like me or you or whatever talking about it, um, essentially. Um, of, of the stuff that you've seen on the show, what are some of your favorite topics to cover? 
Yeah, so, I mean, it's now in its sixth season, and I've been with them uh, since the second season. It's So, yeah, we cover a lot of ground, and I get like 26 episodes a season, and then maybe six or seven clips per episode. So there's a lot out there. And, I mean, for me personally, I like the weirder, the better. The stuff that I see coming out of far corners of this great big globe and kind of lean into some sort of folklore or legend. And I I like those because first off, it expands the conversation about these legends beyond just a very kind of Euro American centric perspective, which is what has dominated um, television, this genre um, it's, so I like seeing more people that don't look like me telling their stories and talking about these legends, uh, specifically. So weird stuff, like, you know, weird stuff coming out of, out of Russia and Australia and stuff like that. The, within like sort of the, the Sasquatch realm, I don't claim to be a researcher on the level of you guys, but I, I like to think that I'm a pretty good judge of character and I like gauging sort of the psychology of witnesses as much as I can from looking at a clip. And there was this one and, and maybe you'll be able to uh, pierce this bubble, but there was this one that was shot around Christmas time where it was a family gathered together and just, you know, they're filming this Christmas dinner and their dog starts freaking out and they look outside and they walk outside and they see, some some figure, uh, you know, bipedal figure walking along the tree line, and they're like, "What? What the hell is that?" And then the dog, little dog, like a Jack Russell Terrier, freaks out and starts running towards it. And then a beat later, gets very freaked out and then runs all the way back. And it's I liked that one because it felt like it was not. I don't know. It felt like people were behaving in a believable way and even the dog was acting in kind of a believable way that was one i liked i could see why people liked it but i wasn't impressed with it tell me why and 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 i'm not challenging you i'm 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 curious i want to get in your head i just i remember just thinking like those people wouldn't be talking like that if i i, I thought the reactions were somewhat you know like bad acting yeah maybe the but the one thing i will I will say as far as people's reactions is people react in funny ways when they're encountering tragedy in encountering strange, um, just, just bizarre, but explainable experiences. Some, you know, people laugh, people act normal. It's almost like sometimes it sets in later. Um, but I don't know. I, I've seen people behave in the midst of like horrible situations acting fairly, almost lighthearted about it. Um, so I try to apply that to these encounters that sometimes maybe people would be like, okay, this is odd. What is that? What is that? Huh? I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I have seen people behave that way. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I, on, when I have to do these shows, I enjoy the stuff that you're mentioning too, because when it comes down to the Bigfoot thing, um, other people consider me an expert on Sasquatches. I don't necessarily do that myself. Um, I, I may be an expert on the topic or the subject or something, but I don't know. Bigfoots are pretty mysterious to me still, you know, in a lot of ways. I know a couple things. Um, or as I think I know a couple things. So I, I like the stuff that I have no experience in because the pressure's off. 
You know, like show me, show me some UFO stuff and I'll say, oh, that's cool because that brings me back to when I was eight years old watching in search up or whatever. Um, whereas, um, if you show me a Sasquatch thing, I'm, I'm not only expected to already know the clip and to have done the research, but I'm also expected to be right. Even if I, if there's no way to know anything, um, I don't like the pressure of that sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah, it totally. And, and then if you can draw from, I think even though I'm terrible about remembering things like birthdays and whatnot, I'm pretty good about remembering little trivia or story. Yeah. Like, you know, the, you know, there was this episode of in search of, or in this region of this country, you know, people, the indigenous people tell stories of this kind of thing. Um, or so I like pulling from that. So I can say, I'm not saying this is 100% true or not. I'm not saying, um, take this to the bank as uh, proof positive of uh, phenomena, paranormal phenomena, or unexplained or whatever. Instead, you know, let's put it into perspective. There's other people that's talked about this in this region that that makes it interesting to me. And I always think about the motivations of people, like because if you're appearing on these shows as cast, you're, you're still probably not making a lot of money, as we said before. And as you do more, you get renewed; it gets a little bit better. But if you're appearing on like a clip show or someone's licensing your YouTube video or whatever, you're not getting rich and famous off of it. You're not even getting 15 minutes of fame. Uh, So the motivation of someone to try to do that, I don't know that it's always like they're they're thinking they're going to get anything, any grand spotlight out of that. Yeah, what, what do you think is behind the motivation of hoaxers? Do you think it's just like like a, um, a Ray Wallace where the guy was a joker and he liked doing pranks? Or you think there's uh, – because or if it's, is it somebody trying to make money on it like some people do? Or, or uh, is it just mental illness trying to show that, uh, show that you can be wrong about – I mean, wh- who knows? What, what are your thoughts on hoaxing? Yeah, I, I think that – it's a combination of things. I think there are the people that are just pranksters. I think there are the people that think this, they'll, they'll be able to show a Fiji mermaid and squeeze a couple bucks out of folks. And, uh, maybe that'll be enough for them. And it's never really enough for them because they always want more and they want to keep doing it. Um, which is what gets a lot of people caught actually, because you know, they, they keep trying to go bigger and then, uh, eventually their house of cards falls down around them. But I also think there is an element. Sometimes people do want attention for this thing. They they want to be uh, someone that has captured something magnificent. It's not always to become famous, but they, they want some sort of attention off of it. And then I think there's the other element. Um, and this maybe is not necessarily hoaxers. This is people that just so desperately want to believe that what they have captured on film or whatever is real that you can't convince them otherwise. And it validates something, some deep need for them. And so they, they can't listen to any other reason. And then those are not intentional hoaxers though. Yeah. It seems a lot of people gain their identity, um, from doing this sort of thing. And I think having an identity in general is probably a bad idea, um, that's just my own personal view. I don't even identify myself as a Sasquatch researcher. I just, that's just what I do, you know? Um, I, but I don't, I don't have a real strong identity connected to that. Um, personally, that's just me though. Um, because I, I figure whenever I define myself, that means I'm not all these other things. And I think that's very limiting, you know? Um, but there is certain, there's certainly 
that thing out there where uh, maybe somebody got a piece of footage or they see a, a shape that a, a blob squatch sort of thing and like, well, that's my claim to fame. That's what I did. That That's the deal there. And that, that makes me who I am. Um, and I kind of feel for those people, you know? I think that, I mean, I think that's a good point. Yeah, it's, and I consider myself very fortunate to have done a lot of cool things with my job. And I come from very humble beginnings and, and not, not just the paranormal stuff, but just done a lot of cool nerdy stuff. I'm very grateful for these experiences and that this has been my career, you know, outside of doing even the TV stuff, it is still my career to talk to people, to go on these kind of fun trips and adventures and whatnot. So I can definitely empathize with folks that, they crave something of that for themselves and and maybe yeah that experience of of them seeing that blob squash or whatever yeah it becomes part of their identity because it's 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 like there's something missing for them in their life yeah but but to quote the great muppet dr to- dr teeth um there ain't nothing to it but to do it like everybody can do this. You know what I mean? Um, you don't have to have an accomplishment. You can actually just do this for fun and enjoy it as such, like fishing or something like that. You know, um, I always encourage people to yeah, go out to the woods. It doesn't take people coming to the museum. Can you take me out bigfooting? Absolutely not. I don't know you. I'm not going to take you out bigfooting. Um, but at the same time, what's stopping you from doing it now? You drive on a road, you get out, you walk a road, you listen. There, there's nothing there. There's nothing there that you can't do. Don't need me for that. So hopefully uh, people will take their own life into their own hands, you know, so to speak. And yeah, being told that like, yeah, you, you have the tools to be able to do this. You, you can go out there and, and engage with this stuff right now. You, and, and if you want to learn about these things, you know, yes, you have to be, again, have some literacy to it, to know what a good source is or not, but you have, we all carry around these supercomputers in our pockets. You can start researching this stuff and reading about this stuff and get into it on your own. And I think that sometimes opens the door for people being manipulated because they want to be guided by someone of import and then they will listen to the wrong someone and then be manipulated or misled. Yeah, without the literacy in the subject, I think Carl Sagan addressed this in one of his interviews. Without literacy, uh, in his case, it was science, but uh, literacy in, well, frank, frankly, if you're not without literacy in science, um, that applies to this subject too, or um, the history of the subject and whose shoulders we're standing on and whatnot, you are opening yourself up to charlatans and hucksters um, to take advantage of you and take you for a ride and, and for whatever um, end game they have in mind, not you. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason, like, uh, folks, you know, like uh, P.T. Barnum thrived, you know, it's it's because, you know, I mean, he wasn't actually the one that said a, a sucker is born every minute, but it's been attributed to him. And the the sentiment is is true. Well, you know, one of the things I'm not at all interested in, um, because it scares the hell out of me, is like hauntings and demon stuff and all that jazz. And um, your 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 part, your one of your feet is in that world as well. Because I've, I've never seen your show, Twenty Eight Days Haunted, on Netflix, but um, it sounds like it's a it's a it's a ghost show. Am I wrong? What, what's up with that show? No, you you are right. It is it's Netflix's first paranormal investigative show and the the shtick the 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 engine of this is that it's three separate teams of ghost hunters at three separate locations 
embedded in those places for 28 days. And I serve as sort of the the driver of the car. I operate as a, a host and walk the viewer through what we're seeing and offering takeaways and whatnot. And something that I really try to avoid is I, I hate being called a paranormal expert because I'm not I'm I'm a guy that's done a lot of work talking and writing and pontificating about it, but I'm not an expert on this unexplained thing. It's all theory based and hell, I don't know what the hell a ghost even is. You know, I like it's all it's we're all just kind of literally and figuratively poking around in the dark about that. Um, but yeah, so, but I talk about like, well, what we're seeing here is this team is doing this and it's interesting that they would comment on this because that aligns with the actual history of the location, which they should not know that sort of thing. And the show did, did very well on Netflix and I'm, I'm quite pleased about that. And yeah, I guess kind of like you, like, I don't, I'm proud of it. But I also don't want that to be the defining identity of me, of like, you know, the ghost host, um, even though it's cool. And I, I hope the show continues and everything. I, I'm super proud of it. But I also want to be cautious that, you know, you don't walk away and everybody's like, oh, man, like what a like that, that that's all that guy really is. You, you know where I'm going with that? Well, yeah, yeah. I, I can't. If I, I've posted on Facebook, hey, I went for a walk, and they say, so "How come you're not Bigfooting?" It's like, well, because I'm not just this flat character made up for you and your own purposes. I'm actually a multi-dimensional human, so to speak. You know, there's a lot of things I do in my life that have nothing to do with Bigfoot, um, and I love that stuff because it gives me balance. Oh, I totally understand. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. We're, we're all subjected to this idea of clap, monkey, clap. You know, um, at the right time, if you're in the media at all, because the public, um, some of them don't realize that you're actually a, a human that does whatever that does everything else else that humans do instead of some um, superficial thing for their entertainment. Yeah, and and there's just simply the fact, kind of going back to what we were saying before about editing and everything that as much as you carefully try to construct a statement about a theory, it, it can sometimes be edited to look like you are speaking in terms of uh, very definitive laws almost about strange phenomena, which I'm very much not doing or I try to avoid doing it. So, and then meanwhile, people will come up to me and be like, yeah, but you said this thing was a fact. I'm like, well, that's not exactly what I said. Um, but, uh, but it is fun. It is cool. And I mean, like on like the topic of, I do think there's strange stuff out there. I, I think there's just bizarre stuff out there that goes beyond our current understanding of this world and universe and science is always advancing and evolving and will, I think, eventually explain some of this stuff on the ghosty topic. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Wait, what about Bobo? Bobo, Bobo, what do you think about the ghosty side of things? I think we've lost Bobo. Oh, oh, he maybe might be out peeing or something. Who knows? Welcome to Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and occasionally Bobo. <laughs> I was looking out, it started snowing here, dude. And then uh, I'm looking out, like the surf went to like 40 feet. <laughs> hey, Bob, we have, we have a guest on, Bobo. 
Come join us. <laughs> I, I love this about your podcast that uh, I'm I'm opening up here, Bobo. I'm pontificating. I'm I'm giving you the deep dive into my soul and my philosophies, and you're out there looking at the snow <laughs> and the surf. Look, a squirrel, <laughs> a dog with a fluffy tail. <laughs> I haven't seen snow here in like ten or twelve years. Okay, fair. That's that's totally a a a, uh, a reasonable reason to just neglect your cast, Popo. <laughs> Sorry. So I, I started. I was I was answering. I was, uh, it was muted. What, what was what was I talking about again? <laughs> Nothing. Don't worry about it, Bobs. Nothing of consequence. Demons. Yeah, I thought I had a. I, I was convinced I had a demon encounter one night. But then I uh, uh, a couple scientists had me read about uh, lucid dreaming and night terrors and all that. And I'm like, Oh, that's, I guess that's what I had. You dip into that category, Boba, like you, you allow for the possibility of ghosts and demons. Oh yeah. I've seen a couple of ghosts. I just don't care about them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the things uh, about, th- about this show that, uh, um, because I, I'm, I'm very much, I, I, Bobo is very much more interested in the paranormal than I am in general. Although I've had paranormal things happen. I don't, there's no other word that can describe it. You know, I've had some ghost things happen. I don't, and ghost seems like a suitable word to slap on that experience um, that I, that I had, or those experiences that I've had. I've seen a couple of UFOs in my time. I just don't profess to be, um, you know, very knowledgeable in that stuff. And some of the stuff I just want to be left to like ghosts. Screw that, man. I don't want, I want the deal. Like, cause once you, what I find is that it, with, at least with the Bigfoot thing, I started becoming interested in Sasquatches. And then mo- I found just like everything else in life. Once you start paying attention to it, you see, you start seeing it everywhere or not everywhere, but much more uh, just, the, the Bigfoot things come, you know, like an art, a news article crosses your desk. You know, you run into a witness in the store, that kind of stuff. So Bigfoot stuff starts popping up everywhere once you start paying attention to it. That's the nature of reality is from my experience is that once you pay attention to something, more of that thing comes, you know, reality is very malleable in that way. And the last thing I need is more ghosts and demons in my life. (laughs) I need more Bigfoot. Everyone does. Well, I don't know that I have had a really significant experience. Like I, uh, and, and I want it like that's, that's the thing I've, I've experienced the other weird stuff and, Sure, I'm I'm open for more of it to keep happening. I don't feel like I have my solid Bigfoot story and I'm I'm definitely all on board with it. I most certainly think these things are out there. Where do you live? I'm now I'm in New York City, but I grew up in Florida. And then I've traveled around a lot and I was a boy scout, I camped a lot and I've camped a lot as an adult. Um and you know, I've had those moments, like when I was a kid, I had the moment of when I was camping, hearing something very large outside, and it probably was just a bear, but in my brain, like I, I, I woke up and I heard something moving around, and my brain that was used to hearing bears and whatnot out there, it was like, this is something different, but I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. I just heard something tromping, traipsing around. And, uh, and then there was this other experience in Pennsylvania where just didn't really, I, I don't know, like, I hate to say like glowing eyes or whatever, but saw like basically in the woods and everything quieted real down, quieted down quite a bit. And then just basically saw this set of eyes in the woods. And I don't know that that was 
probably not Bigfoot, but I feel like I need my Bigfoot story. Ain't nothing to it but to do it, as Dr. Teeth says, man. Just start going out. Um, New York City are kind of, you know, poop out of luck there, though, because there's not a lot going on there. I mean, the Catskills has a little bit, if you know where to go, but not much. Um, but Jersey, Jersey's really good, actually. That That's a hop, skip, and a jump for you. Yeah, and actually where I was in PA was just over um, the Jersey border. And, and certainly, like, even down in Florida growing up, like, before it was sort of more popular or in vogue, like um, my dad is originally from Florida as well, and uh, I come from I come from some uh, a redneck side of the family, some swamp folk almost, and uh, Florida man, yeah, 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 uh, airboating type of people, and um, I do recall hearing as a kid like stories of of uh, skunk ape and things being out there. Um, so at least that story was kind of th- those tales were ingrained in me at an early age from that side of the family. What part of Florida did you grow up in? I was largely in Orlando, Central Florida, but keep in mind that so when I was growing up, it was it was more you know just uh, uh, that the mouse house you know it was theme park world and whatnot, and it's a little bit more um, it's gotten a little bit better since then, but. But my father and his family have grew up when it was a lot of just, um, you know, orange groves and a lot more wilderness and um, when it was a little bit more wild. And, you know, we definitely covered a lot of the state, um, both down in the Everglades area, um, often the wooded areas kind of on the uh, um, west coast of Florida and things like that. So, um yeah, it, it was. I was fascinated by those stories as a kid. And I guess that never really went away. Yeah, I think uh, Florida is one of the few places in the U.S. that um, humans can actually do any damage to the Sasquatch population um, by paving, essentially, by paving and produ- and you know developing the land. Essentially, that I, I think that Florida is one of these places that they might be. We might be isolating genetic populations. And and the Burmese pythons eating a bunch of their food source too. Yeah, the Sasquatches would eat the pythons. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Just my thought. Uh, no, I, I, you're most certainly right. I mean, it's, I fear just how much the state is going to be paved over and how much biodiversity that is down there. I mean, it's sort of like Australia light and just constant development is wiping all of this biodiversity out. And that would include skunk ape Sasquatch down there. We'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens down there in Florida. So yeah, yeah. Like we'll check back in like a year or so, <laughs> <laughs> or twenty. Meanwhile, they're finding alligators up here in New York City in the uh, the ponds. Oh yeah, poor I thing. heard something about that. I heard about that. Must have been freezing for that poor thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's not the first time. The there's actually it does pop up occasionally, but there was I think in the nineteen. 30s, maybe even 1920s, there was an actual legitimate origin to the alligators in the sewer urban legend. And it was, I think, up in Harlem that this alligator kind of popped out of a sewer drain and then a bunch of kids like tried to wrangle it or whatever. It was, it was not really a, uh, it was cold. This thing was definitely underfed. It was not, not uh, acclimated to that, this kind of weather. But 
there was and but that was the origin to the gators in the sewer but yeah it's it's um something that happens periodically and i think more than ever makes it to the news yeah because people want these exotic pets and then they outgrow the little tanks they have them in and they put them in the sewer system or the ponds or whatever and something like that happened in the bay area when i was living down there um it, it was oakland or berkeley or somewhere like that that one of these things got loose in one of the, heck i mean there was one in portland if i remember right no 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 that was down that was down in san francisco it was in san francisco that one of these things was living for maybe a year or a few months before they actually captured it um Again, these poor animals that are subjected to environments that they are not suited for, like the sewers of New York, for example. Yeah, and you're right. Like it's, and that that extends, you know, wild cats too. Like it's easy enough if you really start looking to find someone that's a little bit shady that's willing to acquire one of these animals, and then yeah, what are you gonna you're gonna keep it in a New York apartment until it gets too big, and then just release it somewhere. But um, it's it's a shame, but. Uh, I'm I'm not a cynical person, but I am sometimes raising my hands up in sometimes disgust and certainly perplexed by humans and our behavior. Yeah, I'm not a big fan myself, but but you know that some of my best friends are humans, honestly. <laughs> but not all of my best friends are humans. I want to make that perfectly clear. <laughs> <laughs> I get you know I gathered about you, Cliff, that you are not that you are. Very affable and likable. With a dark side. <laughs> yeah. I would not have pegged you as a as a people person. <laughs> well, you know, that that's well, if you've spoken to me, you've had you've had a few conversations with me. And I get along great with most with, with most people. I get along great and uh, I enjoy conversations, but um at the same time, you know, I need a lot of alone time. And if Cliff doesn't get it, it gets a little weird. So And I didn't even know you were a Star Wars nerd. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm a total nerd, dude. I've I've got a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. I'm a huge nerd, and very in every way, every way. Um, Bigfoot is just one aspect. <laughs> Be humble, Cliff. Um, well, that is me being humble. <laughs> uh, well, I I I will say that I uh, just did this interview. For, I'm supposed to I'm supposed to see the new Dungeons and Dragons movie. Uh, I just did an interview with um, Chris Pine about it because um, he's in that new the the live action movie that's coming out so i'm i i'm less of a D nerd but i love it like I, I do love it but i'm definitely a total star wars nerd i love star trek as well but star wars is it was sort of the thing that i glommed on to super early on oh yeah yeah, actually, that I literally have that as a question on my page. I, I took a bunch of notes, and I'm very proud to say, by the way, I crossed off three things on a full page <laughs> of notes. You know, um, so I over prepared, which is nice. Then one of the questions was, uh, here, "Here's a question: Star Wars or Star Trek?" That was literally one of the questions I have written down for you. I think you like both, but it's sort of like Elvis versus the Beatles, or El yeah, Elvis versus Beatles. It's you ultimately have to. Not have to, but ultimately, I think your passions skew more towards one or the other. And for me, yeah, it was, I think, sort of the magic and the fantasy of Star Wars it just connected with me early on. Trek, I love because it is in its best form, can be a commentary on what humanity can strive for. And, and fail sometimes a lot of times but what we can strive for but i like the magic and the fantasy of star wars and also elvis 
Yeah. Well, I think that's a good segue to, uh, if, uh, why don't we end this part of the conversation? We can continue this in the member section and get into some of the nerdy nitty gritty as far as uh, various media goes. Um, cause I think the Star Wars or Star Trek is a good, uh, jumping off point for that. Um, and, uh, also per- perhaps some personal experiences because you, you, you mentioned that you don't have your, the, the Bigfoot feather in your cap yet, but I'm sure you have some others. And I think our listeners would love to hear about some of that stuff. So um, if you can stick around for a member section, we'd really appreciate it. But before we go, what would you like our listeners to know about? Like any appearances or gigs or anything that you want them to perhaps tune into or show up for or anything like that? Yeah. First off, thanks. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. I'm glad we had this conversation and happy to stick around for the member members chat as well. Uh, in the meantime, yeah, look, uh, you can always check out 28 Days Haunted on Netflix. Please do that. Uh, that support is appreciated in Paranormal Caught on Camera on Travel Channel and Discovery Plus. It's, it's always on. They're always marathoning it. Uh, me personally, like I do this Talking Strange podcast and live stream show that's part of the Den of Geek Network. And that is something that I really love doing because I get to interview people and I get to interview people about weird stuff, even though they may not be known for their weird stuff, like Reese Darby from Flight of the Concords and Jumanji and Our Flag Means Death, talking about UFOs and cryptids and talking to uh, this actor, David Dasmalshian or Dana Gould, the comedian, and, and finding these entry points to talk about strangeness. So check that out, the Talking Strange podcast and live stream show. That also helps keep keep the lights on for me. So I would appreciate that. And then otherwise hit me up on social media, say hi, just at Aaron Sagers across the board, social media. Yes, I do do it. It's, it's, uh, it's horrible and all consuming, but it's, uh, it's, it's part of the beast. Something I have to do. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, Aaron, for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate it. Um, people out there in uh, Bigfoot and Beyond Land, thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. Um, we're going to continue this conversation over in the members section. So join us over there if you can. And if you're not a member yet, consider it. You get about another 40 minutes, 45 minutes of content every single week, sometimes even more than that, um, for the low, low price of just five bucks a month. And that's, that's a beer without the tip nowadays. You can afford that. And our buzz lasts all week long. So anyway, um, maybe you want to be a member and uh, you can join our membership in the sh- well, you can click the thing in the show notes below. Um, that'll bring you right there. I'm pretty confident of that. So thank you very much, Aaron and Bobo. Why don't you take us out? All right, folks. Thanks for, uh, thanks to Aaron Sager for joining us this week and thanks for listening and keep those reviews and five-star ratings coming our way. We always appreciate that. So until next week, y'all keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 